Welcome to the Pilgrim's Well podcast. Pilgrim's Well is produced by Seventh Reformed Church as a resource for the souls of Christians wherever you are in your journey. Here we share testimonies, provide spiritual encouragement, and discuss key topics of the Christian faith, systematic theology, and so much more. Join us now for today's episode of the Pilgrim's Well. Welcome to the Pilgrim's Well. Today we are going to be discussing the subject of God's judgment on nations and especially asking the question, is America under the judgment of God? Today there are two of us that will be discussing this, uh, Pastor Paul and uh, my name is Victor. Paul, when we think about this question of is America under the judgment of God, one of the first questions that I ask is, well, what is the judgment of God? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the it's a very loaded question, uh, right? Because as soon as you say, yes, God is under, uh, or uh, God is judging America, the question is why and how and, and what is the judgment? And I've seen a lot of people pointing to all kinds of things. So, uh, there's the judgment of God or there's the judgment of mm-hmm. God. But I think really we have to look at from a, script, a scriptural perf, uh, perspective. Uh, and I think it's not just America, right? When we're talking about the judgment of God, it is, yes, I think America is prevalent because the whole world is looking at America. So I think it's a, uh, and, and this is where we live, right? This is our nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we can look at other countries. So, but if we look at the judgment uh, from God in scripture, there's basically three types of judgment or three stages, depending on how you want to phrase this. One is moral decay, right? Uh, And the second one is political decay. And the third is the final destruction of a nation. So I think we have to look at it that way and answer the question based on that. So when we are, well, first of all, do you mind mind showing me a little bit of that in the Bible when we're talking about that moral, political, and final destruction? Yeah. So actually, if you look at uh, the... uh, there's a couple of things to start. Genesis, of course, is a wonderful way mm-hmm. to start. Political decay uh, and, and really the dividing of a nation is is probably seen in uh, Babel, the Tower of Babel, yeah. where the nation is split and divided, where you have this really uh, the first empire that ruled the world, <laughs> literally at that time, uh, is divided when they step against God, but it's not a final destruction, right? Not all the people are destroyed, but in a sense, you have the, the falling apart of that empire there. Um, another good example here is uh, in uh, uh, Genesis 18, 20 to 21. I think it gives us an insight into how God deals with nations. Genesis 18, 20 to 21, we read, this is the story of Abraham and uh, the Lord and two of his angels come. And then it says this, and then the Lord says, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see where they have done all together according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Hmm. Right? So you have this... Um, this ultimatum 
of destruction. So there you see the final destruction. Of course, Sodom and Gomorrah is well known that it's finally destroyed. Uh, so there you have the what most people think about judgment, right? So uh, is God going to destroy America? There won't be any America anymore. So that's that's the the ultimate destruction. Uh, but if you think about other types of destruction, political decay would be uh, Daniel chapter five, where you have Nebuchadnezzar who builds this incredible empire and it's just spreading across uh, the uh, the Levant, the, the 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 Middle East, what we would call today. Um, and then the one who follows him, who is at that time in charge, uh, begins to literally go against God. And he, he has this big feast, right? We can go to Daniel 5 and see this played out. So in Daniel 5, um, you see the introduction of King Belshazzar mm-hmm. from verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted wine, commanded the vessels of gold and silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem, be brought that the kings and lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had taken out of the temple the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze, iron, wood, and stone." So you see this empire, the leaders of this empire beginning to exalt themselves against Mm -hmm. God and and really place themselves and say, we rule over the God of Israel, the living God. Um, And then you have the the judgment, right, that comes and and follows. Then Daniel is uh, interpreting that in verse 24 of Daniel 5. Then from the presence of... The, from his presence, the hand was said that his writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, mene, take it, parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your king and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. In Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Mm-hmm. And so Belshazzar is showing... Uh, or, or what God is judging uh, Belshazzar is saying, you're not an apt king, right? Uh, and God, we know from other passages, passages in Scripture that uh, God places the kings over his people, mm-hmm. right? They're appointed by God. So in other words, if we put that together, we see that God placed here this Belshazzar, this good-for-nothing, this weightless yeah. king uh, over this mighty empire. And as a result, God judges them and they fall apart actually this night they fall apart well and it's it's so interesting i'm thinking about you know the order of events here in daniel and we were just we were talking a little while ago about nebuchadnezzar just in the previous chapter and how he's actually goes through this period of humiliation right where he sort of exalts himself and his own abilities and he doesn't give honor to God, right? Yeah. He doesn't recognize that he is a king under the king of kings. Yeah. And he's he goes through this humiliation and then he's he's restored, right? Yeah. Because he is um he humbles himself and he's he's restored. Yeah. Now my is um is Belshazzar <clears throat> the son of Nebuchadnezzar? Uh so that's that? a difficult it's a difficult question to answer. Uh I they I think he's not directly the son. I think okay. he's um so there's still another king. If you look at the Babylonian record mm-hmm. of kings, 
there's another king at this time who is away at war, and Belshazzar is kind of like one who is fit in and is seen as the one who follows Nebuchadnezzar because he's on, like, okay. in, in the capital. But, he's, but he is a king that follows Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. Right? Yeah, so he's, he's the political ruler in the capital yeah. of so, this time. So yeah. I'm, just, I'm just observing this as we're talking about, you know, political decay, right? Yeah. Here is a king who should have been aware. Oh, yeah. Very aware of what has happened to the previous king, yeah. who is a great earthly king. Absolutely. And yet was humiliated by God, humbles himself, and is restored to his place. And here he is. And what does he do? He desecrates the, the, um, the it's not silverware, the, the artifacts from the, I don't know what the right, the vessels from, yeah. the, uh, from the house of God and uses them, you know, for his feast. Yeah, right. It, absolutely. So, so he's he's unable to read, you know, see what's going on here. Yeah, and he just is, you know. It's yeah, it's really it's kid. it's foolishness, and it's actually emphasized by Daniel by pointing out in verse ten that the queen uh, is is reprimanding him basically and saying why you're because it's it's a very graphic picture, right? Mm-hmm. So King Belshazzar, his knees are are knocking, and he's he, he's he's depicted as this frightened little boy. That sits on this big throne and a big, you know, I mean, we've all seen yeah. this, right? This, this, you know, little stick figure that walks very white and it's it's very mm-hmm. enthusiastic. And then when some real threat comes, suddenly he's knocking his knees together and he's falling apart. So that's what's happening here. And his wife, the queen, says, listen, um, in the time of your father, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, there was a man, Daniel. So there, it's yeah. Daniel's, uh, the, the book is emphasizing that Belshazzar should have remember the political ancestors uh, of the, I think the king should really have come up with that. But I think the best example of political decay, um, but this is a little bit long to read because we would have to read uh, Kings and Chronicles <laughs> together. Mm, yeah. uh, but it's, it's the Kings of the Israelites, yes, right? Where you yes. have this decay where the judgment of God is increasing towards Israel uh, and then Israel and Judah. And you see every king, almost every king is falling apart worse and worse and worse. Um, And then you see the the, the political power weakening over time. So that's the second part. The third part is really best seen. uh, And by third part, I'm talking about uh, the moral decay. Yeah. That's best seen in Romans 1. Mm -hmm. Right? So if we go to Romans 1. So Romans 1, 18 it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Right? So this is talking about humanity in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we can apply this to nations individually. I think we, can, we have a historical president, even biblical uh, examples of this uh, throughout uh, Scripture, Israel being the most uh, prominent one. And it's uh, in detail. So I want you to look at uh, three parts of God's judgment. It's very clear. So if we pick it up in verse 23, we'll see the judgment in verse 24. Romans 1, uh, or actually, let me pick it up in 22 just to make the whole sentence complete. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore... 
God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their body among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of uh, the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. There be clear judgment. Yeah. Right. But it's not. And, and if you look at if you compare this to verse 18, a lot of times when we hear wrath of God, we're thinking fire and brimstone. Yep. Lightning from heaven. Right. It's 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 God is is raining death from heaven. But here God's the giving them up. Is, is giving them up to judgment, yeah. uh, which is is really uh, giving them up into the powers of darkness. Yeah. Right? That's what's going on. Giving them up to what will destroy them, not just externally, but internally. They're pursuing sin and uh, in unrepentance, and God is giving them to that. Yes. Continue with what your, heart's, what your heart desires. It will bring destruction upon yourself. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And, it's, and we're going to see something very interesting developing here that the people who receive this judgment don't see it as a judgment. Mm-hmm. We're going to, yeah. <laughs> it's an easy line to make that to, to uh, America and really the West, cultural West today. But let me just read that, and I think we can all see this. Therefore God gave them up, verse 24, in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged, exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That we... Uh, pick it up in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. You know, second. Yep. It's the second layer. God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Think about marital, the destruction of marriage and the relationship between a man and a woman. Uh, and the man likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed in passion for one another Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the new penalty for their error. Then you have another layer of judgment in verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, uh, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, this one, haters of God. Right, the destruction of God out of society, mm-hmm. insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And then this last one, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice this thing deserve to die, they don't only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Yeah. So in other words, there's a glorification of all these acts. I think we definitely have seen that in the West in the last... 100 years or so, um, where, where men in their, um, in, their sinful, in their sinfulness and in their uh, man-centeredness have said, look, we are enlightened. We have great knowledge. Let us put, us, put, a, put aside the superstitions of the past and create this enlightened secular order. And it was yes. it was ultimately a desire to <clears throat> elevate themselves, to elevate yeah. man above God, yeah. and in the name of that they they tore God out of public life, and it yeah. certainly happened um, first in Europe has come to the United States as well, um, and 
what do we see in that name of that enlightened secular public order? Those sins which have which have been long considered by by Christians and by the West to be just that sin, mm. they've been said, no, this is this isn't this sin. This is good. This is good. Yeah, you should do this. And what do we see earlier? God gives them up to that. Yeah. So if somebody asks me, is America or uh, you know nations similar? Is America under God's judgment? Like, can we know that? And my answer would be, uh, yes, getting to and on its way. Hmm. Yes, okay. in the sense that this is clearly happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, we, we see that this is undeniable, right? You can say, you can disagree with scripture and say, this is not sin, but it kind of proves the point that you've yeah. given, given over to this and that you give approval to it. So it's, it kind of bites you uh, right back, right? Especially that verse 32, I think is very telling of even what we see in churches today, where churches begin to give approval of these things, right? That, that this is a good thing. Um, so... The wrath of God, according to Romans 1, is undoubtedly upon America and other Western nations and other nations in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the political decay, where God begins to unsettle the political unity uh, of a nation, uh, think about America specifically with the division of powers yeah. in America, um, which I think is a good system that with checks and balances and it's it's a fair type of system uh it's being undermined yeah right and that's not just well there's five evil people in the government or something like that no that's in scripture it's quite clear that the judgment of god that, that god is moving or or uh wrecking so to speak a political decay so i think there we can say it is unraveling it's not there yet Right? Mm-hmm. There's still checks and balances. It can get worse. <laughs> yeah, but I think right. we can see the cracks yeah. in the foundation of, of the political uh, gift that that America was given. You know, and, and, and if we go to the last one, final judgment, Sodom and Gomorrah, I would say no. I don't think America is no. there at that point. Uh, I think America is still powerful, still affluent, which shows God's mercy. So God is still extending mercy to America in the sense that uh, we still have time to repent and turn. Mm. Right? It's not too late yet to to turn back as a nation to God. So uh, I think this is the this is the way that that Scripture how we should look at America without being a prophet and saying you know in five years and ten years and twelve yeah. years. No, we can look at the signs of the times. Uh, today and see how God is viewing America and responding to it. And I think what should have the overtone at this point is warning and uh, the urgency that there is still mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I look at um, you know my study of of history and I look back to yeah. the time when this nation was was founded, um, the founders, many of them were were very wise. I mean, there are many Christians amongst the founding fathers, and they said this this society, this nation, is only fit, this type of government is only fit 
for a moral and a religious people, right? They recognize that without a moral framework, which at its deepest root comes from Christianity, right? Most foundationally belief in Christ and then the influence that has on the rest of life and the rest of society. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, this will fail. This will ultimately fail. And they were wise in, in designing a system that was not so easy to break, right? Mm -hmm. was not so easy for one person to seize control, mm -hmm. right? Um, but that only goes so far, right? If yeah. you don't have uh, the root of the matter in you, if the Spirit of God is not in the people, it is only... Laws do teach, laws do help, but they only go so far. Yeah. They only go so far if the people abandons God. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting if you think about this, and this is, of course, you know, this, this video might be pulled out for this reason, um, but the sexual revolution that, hmm. that started, uh, well, that is at a long time coming up, but especially, what is it, the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. when it really started to increase. And then the disregard for, for the life of children. Those two, if you look at empires in the past, their decay and falling down started there. Uh, right? Sodom and Gomorrah is the obvious biblical example right. where you have uh, the episode with Lot where they try to uh, when the man of the city tried to get Lot, uh, and uh, or sorry, the, uh, the the visitors to come out and, and, and really have sexual relationship with them, uh, that's the obvious one. But if you look at the Roman Empire, uh, the, the 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 total disregard of children, right? You had pedophilia, rampant public pedophilia, where you had. The, the rich man of the town that would have a bunch of young boys, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by disregard for the life of children. Um, and then uh, homosexuality and everything else at that time, uh, just public lewdness, like nakedness and stuff like that, that was, uh, and then uh, violence and aggression that was uh, accepted and became a sport. Uh, now, we have that in, we don't have uh, uh, public fights to the death. Uh, but what's our entertainment? Yeah. Uh, right? If you look at the channels and even look at the movies, what do people enjoy? Right? Can you They're make incredibly a, violent? Yeah, can you make a movie that is really successful without sex and without violence today? It's difficult. That a lot of the big <laughs> blockbusters that's a big part of their content. Even movies that don't need that. Oh, right? Yeah. They're on a subject they're their subject matter, whatever it may be, is it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It could be an amazing piece of entertainment, and they choose to put some kind of perversion into the movie. Yeah. Right? Even though it doesn't need to be there. Right? Yeah. It's because that's what their heart desires. Yeah. And even think about, because uh, I've seen people, uh, I've heard people say, well, I don't watch, you know, violent, you know, uh, 18 rated. 18 above rated movies or things like that, 16 plus and all of that. Uh, I'm, I'm just watching, you know, romantic comedies. What's the plot of most romantic comedies today? I don't know. I don't watch many romantic <laughs> right? comedies, if I'm honest. 
areas is a big collection at home. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, the plot is usually something like this. Uh, one guy is stuck with an with with a woman he doesn't like, mm. but then his high girl uh, high school sweetheart comes by, and the movie is played in such a way that they really should be together, mm. and and he wants to be faithful, but finally he makes the great decision of divorcing her and then marrying. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a celebration of something that is. Uh, wrong. <laughs> that, yeah. uh, she, he shouldn't even be thinking about her, and she shouldn't approach him. Yeah. Uh, she should just be living off her own life. He married and swore that she would be faithful to his wife, and so the wife is then depicted as this, or the other way around, like the husband is depicted as mean and all of that, to celebrate the idea of divorce. Right. So Absolutely. you have the moral decay again in many facets. And I think that um, you know they're they're bigger. More to Christians, more obvious public sexual sins that we've really addressed in recent years, right, or been confronting in recent years. But I think that there's sometimes a failure to recognize that the seeds of this were much earlier, Absolutely. right, before the 2015 decision on same-sex marriage, right? Yeah. Divorce laws had changed decades yeah. earlier. Right, yeah. the assault on the biblical family began far beyond our modern changing of laws. Absolutely. Right, so there was an undermining that happened much earlier. Yeah. Right, and unfortunately, we're we're reaping the consequences of that down the line. Yeah, and I think that's I'm happy you point that out because it's often missed because people look at Romans and they look at the final conclusion and they say, well, that judgment is. You know, that nation is under God's judgment. These peoples are under God's judgment. Um, but the point of this is that they begin with, uh, uh, they suppress the truth of God. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's where the, the, the falling starts. They suppress God. So Romans 21, uh, 1 verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were, were darkened. Hmm. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds, animals and creeping things. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. That's not where it ends, but that's where it starts. Right? So uh, a lot of, I, I hear the older generation saying, well, today America is running wild. And I agree. Right? I think... Morally, um, and even if you don't agree that America is running wild, and even if you're on the liberal side of things, think all of this is good, I think you can say from Scripture, uh, and if you say, hey, if, if I'm a liberal, but if I look at Scripture, yes, this is, God is against this mm-hmm. based upon these things. I just, I think you have to admit that the Apostle Paul would say, this is not the right way of living. But this is the end result of a few generations that has been moving away from God, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, uh, yes, the Bible is removed out of the, the public schools at a certain point, but where did that start? That they did not honor him as God and give thanks to him anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's where it started. That's the beginning. That, that's that first push that caused the snowball to, to roll yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. So I think sometimes it's it's... We make a shortcut and we say, well, today America is falling apart or today the West is falling apart. No, it's been falling apart for generations, right? It's not just uh, let's let's try to, by law, curve it, like curb in these 
ex expressive sense that surprise us, but it should surprise us that we don't live honoring God and giving thanks to him. You know, it reminds me of in the Old Testament when Israel, God's people, um, they, they see a great miracle. He has shown them some great mercy or some great grace, some great act, and they worship him. And then arises a new generation that does not know the Lord, yeah. right? It's not that that first generation didn't genuinely see it, see the Lord's act, genuinely believe in him, but something happened where this did not translate to the next generation. The next okay. generation did not. Is that the fault of the next generation or is that the fault of the generation that did not raise their children in the, in the knowledge of what the Lord had done for them? Yeah, I would say both. Yeah. Right. It's mm -hmm. it's a it's a uh, repetition of mistakes. Uh, I would say the the biblical most biblical answer, the closest biblical answer you could probably give is the new generation is worse than the old generation in the sense that their sins are greater. Mm -hmm. uh, you see that many times in Scripture that your forefathers did this, but you have done even more. Mm -hmm. Right, so there is a you've gone one step beyond, uh, but yeah, it's the, the forefathers that started the, the the snowball rolling, and in our generation, it's even bigger than before. So perhaps we could say our generation's guilt is greater because our sins are greater, but it doesn't make the previous generation innocent. So this is all very depressing. Um, <laughs> If we're thinking about, you know, this is this is the nation that that I I grew up in. This yeah. is a nation that I love. This is a nation the Lord has put me in, and so it is also, you know, it's it can be it can be hard watching, you know, where we are and thinking about um, where we've maybe been in the past, and I, I don't want to, you know, think back to a time that never was. But none, nonetheless, it can be. Um, there was uh, a time where it was the fear of the Lord. Yeah, in this nation, there no was. Doubt. Yeah, and it, it can be disheartening. Um, and we talk about this moral decay, political decay, and then final judgment, final destruction. Yeah. Is that then inevitable for the United States, or is there is there hope for this country or for the West? What what can be done? What will happen if nothing is done? So I think actually America is its own best example where you had the almost falling apart of the United States in history already, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Right before the Great Awakening. Yeah. I think you have clear signs of a similar, uh, maybe not as extreme, uh, because the nation was smaller, especially yeah. in numbers, uh, but a similar situation where the nation was kind of at the edge where it could really fall apart. Uh, and then a great awakening broke out, a, a real return to God by and large. So I think there's definitely hope, uh, but the time is short. I, yeah. would, I would put that there. Uh, I'm not at the... A point where I'm thinking America is under the judgment of God. Let's just flee this place or something like that. I think that's that's always wrong because you, you know, if you take the light away of those who follow Christ, uh, you're really leaving behind in darkness, mm -hmm. and we need to shine the light. Uh, 
so uh, I think there's definitely hope. Uh, I think I think the the situation is dire. Mm-hmm. I think it's serious, uh, and I think the the message that God is preaching to us today and to society at large, other than the gospel, is the consequences of all of this. I mean, you you see it, and even secular newspapers will pick this up, where they will say, uh, I, "I've heard of a a news article." Uh, recently that was published on that uh, father and mother uh, household where the father and mother are together with the children is the happiest household. Yeah, absolutely. Secular, right? And they say, well, that's just the way it is. And, you know, um, and this was written by a liberal uh, uh, who said that, you know, same-sex marriage, all of that, everything is fine. But if we look at the result of the happiness in the family, that's the happiest, right? So that's a sign of God's mercy mm-hmm. to emphasize that even to a secular uh, society that has, you know, gone whole with, with this, this uh, running into the, the era of Romans 1. Um, uh, then if you look at all the depression, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all the, the police reports, I mean, it's, yeah. it's obviously that the bubble is bursting. Yeah. Right. I mean, hundred thousand people. The news is depressed. Hundred thousand people died, I believe, last year of drug overdoses yeah. in the United States. Right. Yeah. So I think God is calling through the the direct consequences of sin, people to to mm-hmm. to repent, to to turn. So God is still communicating. Right. Yeah. There's no fire from heaven killing everyone or atomic bombs going off everywhere that puts a, that can happen. But we're now at the stage where it's now turn and live or keep going and die. Mm. I think we're I think we're at that point, uh, and not just America. I think that's the the West in general. If you compare it to other empires in the past, especially thinking of the Roman Empire, which has a lot of similarities with America, interestingly yeah. polit- politically as well, um, you saw the fall of the Roman Empire, which was unimaginable. I mean, how could this enormous yeah. empire? Uh, fall. And, uh, and what, where were they, right? They had, um, for all their Roman virtue, yeah. they had abandoned their Roman virtue, Yeah. right? Their armies were not filled with men who loved their nation and lived out their yeah. values, but mercenary armies. Yeah. But still and powerful. Still powerful. I mean, I mean, still able to destroy any other nation in the world. If they wanted to. <laughs> if yes. they wanted to. Right? So they were, I think it's a very similar picture to where we are the, at this moment. So uh, uh, I think the only hope for America is if God's people pray. Hmm. And not just for keep the knife away, yeah. right? Keep, keep the bombs away or something like that. What we need to pray for is for the nation to turn to God. Yeah. That's the, that's the prayer. Because everything else is a selfish, God-angry prayer. Yeah. Like, God, please uh, stop away the consequences from sin. No, 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 no. No, no. Lord, turn. But, of course, the... Uh, and it starts in the church. So if the church is, not, is, is decaying from within, where the church is accepting the sin and, and wanting mm-hmm. to join with the sin then all hope is gone, mm-hmm. right? And so, so that's why I say we're, we're at really at the edge because uh, there's a lot of churches in America that are now accepting the decay of the society within. Yeah. So I think that uh, 
the judgment, the, the regenerative judgment of God, right, where we need to repent and turn, starts inside the house of God yeah. and then goes out from there, right? It's, it's preaching to the churches, purity and, and, and holiness and true love to God and then to society. God has given the rod of discipline to the parents, to the family, the keys of the kingdom to the church, and the sword of justice to the magistrate. And if, yeah. and if, and if those servants of God do not repent and turn to the Lord, then He has no need for them. If fathers and mothers do not turn to the Lord, trust in Him, raise their children to love and fear the Lord, that right there is a bedrock. That's doomed. If the church does not clean house where necessary repent of its sin, right, and turn to the Lord and exercise the keys of the kingdom, then it too ought to be cast aside, yeah. right? And if if the magistrates will not honor God and be just, then they too as well. Yeah. But, but there can be repentance. Absolutely. And it's very interesting if you look at the great revivals, uh, it starts by preaching in the churches, mm. not on yeah. the street, right? I think now there's a tendency to to kind of look at the us-them, right? So, yeah, we know we have a lot of garbage in the church, but there's way more garbage out there. So let's, let's try to talk to them first. And God doesn't work that way, no, right? No. He works at clean my house and then I will bless the nation. Mm -hmm. Right, so clean the church and then go forth. So it's really uh, there needs to be a, I think, a revival, an awakening among preachers uh, mm -hmm. in America uh, and, and in the Western world, where where we preach to the people in the church for God to do a mighty work, and that to then spread out and mm -hmm. reach the top level of our society. Mm -hmm. There's this um, this passage in Jeremiah. Um, that I think is is a warning, but it's also hopeful. Um, Jeremiah 18, verses 7 to 10. And the chapter begins with the word of the, you know, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord was, and then it continues on. But when we get to verse 7, this is the word of the Lord. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, so maybe that is the United States. I don't know. Right? Maybe that is the United States. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. So there's hope right there, right? Yeah. Of turning from, but also, and if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, so God's intended blessing, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I was looking when you were reading those words, pluck up, break down, and destroy, mm -hmm. right? Pluck up is you take something so that its roots are no longer in the earth. It, it loses its vitality. 
and then to break down is to then break what is what still looks alive and it destroys is the annihilation of it. Throw it in the fire. Yeah. Just throw it in the fire. Yeah, and I think that's uh you know, when something is plucked up, you can still plant it. Mm-hmm. Once it's destroyed, you're gonna start over. Yeah. Really. Um so, we, we might be unplugged. Yeah. And I, I fear for I fear for the United States, but I also have hope and for the West because of the sovereignty of God, because of his great plan, which we do not know, right? That that this will not be done by whatever it is, right? Destruction or blessing by the hand of man, but by the hand of the Lord, yeah. right? And we ought to pray fervently for the people of God to turn to the Lord and pray for pray for revival, pray that his spirit would come up upon this people. Um, but it is also the working of the Lord that will that will do that if he so chooses. Yeah. You know, in a sense, we can say, and I mean this with all my heart, that America is the nation with the most hope. Because mm. we have the most praying people uh, on, on this land. I, I mean, I think... If you look in Europe, and I just wasn't, I just came back from Europe, uh, there's people really that pray, and, and but the amounts of real believers in America is still, percentage-wise, yeah. far higher than anywhere else in the world. Um, the, the question is, will we get sidetracked with other things, mm. or will we come back to God's call to prayer, to share the gospel, and to show and spread the love of Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, for me... Uh, you know, being from the Netherlands, if the Netherlands falls apart as a nation and it's no longer called the Netherlands, you know, that's, that's sad, but it's, it's the way it is. My concern is about the people there mm, and okay. the individual souls of the people there. Uh, my concern is not so much the political boundary that we connect to Germany and Belgium and where that border lies and, and how our and all of that. My concern is first and foremost with the people, right? That the individuals are safe. So I think something that we can do is uh, pray not just for the nation at large, but pray for your street. Mm-hmm. Uh, pray for your neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, start there. Pray yeah. with the people right next door that they would know Christ and share the gospel to them and then Absolutely. go out from there. Because I think sometimes we're kind of like... It's too big. You know, it's yeah, too yeah, big. It's too, especially in America. America is yeah. a continent and a country it's a, at the same time, pretty it's, much. Right? It's a nation with many nations within it yeah. in a real sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, seeing if we could buy a car. And then you're like, okay, just do a search nationwide. And then you uh-huh. look at it like, okay, 18-hour drive uh-huh. to pick up this car. It's a little far. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you have this inc- incredibly... So, and I think sometimes for Americans, we can get discouraged. Uh, and when we look at this and we're like, it's just too big. And then we'll pray for it. And the Lord gives us some fervor in prayer. And then we turn on the news and it's murders here and, and disasters there and, and everything falling apart. And we forget our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Right? Share the gospel to your neighbor. Share the gospel to people that walk in the church on Sunday morning. Right? We're blessed here with a church that uh, I I think every month at least, but I think weekly we have people coming in from who knows where. Yeah. You know, praise the Lord. 
uh, share the gospel with them, encourage them, call them to prayer, and, and share the gospel. Absolutely. Um, we, the nation is so huge, we can't even comprehend it because we're, <laughs> you, you can, right? Because you're from another, another nation, you've been to many nations, but even for me, you know, having lived in the United States my whole life, it's so big. Yeah. It's so big. So thinking about, sometimes thinking about the county first before the country, Yeah. right? Your neighborhood, your community, your church, seek to honor the Lord there, preach the gospel there, yeah. right? Can can these people, can this small people um, repent, turn to the Lord, and yeah. be faithful and yeah. submit to him, right? Start start there yeah. before you you go so big, right? Yeah, I mean, there's all these statistics, right? And, and I love a little bit of math every now and then. But if we would all share the gospel and really, by God's grace, bring one person to Christ uh, per month, Right, and let's mm -hmm. say you do that with a group of ten. Then after one month, there's a hundred of you, and then after another month, it's a thousand, and then, uh, uh wait, yeah, uh, you, you multiply, right? So don't ask me; I don't understand math. <laughs> so, so ten becomes twenty, twenty <laughs> becomes forty, forty becomes eighty, eighty becomes one hundred sixty, and then by the end of the year, you have a few thousand people if you start with ten. Mm. Right, and then in, in that multiplies exponentially, uh, so it's it's not so much the and how many how many Christians are bold enough, yeah, to do that. I and I understand it. I feel that right. Yeah. You know, I have a, just my job. I have a good I have a great opportunity to be able to be able to preach, yeah. um, to um, or to present the gospel to people on a regular basis. But for many people, that's that's a scary feeling. That's intimidating. But there's there's a need then to call them to a greater fear of the Lord than to a fear of man. Yeah. And that the Spirit would be working in them to give them boldness and courage. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't have to be a scary thing. No. You know, to share no. the gospel. You don't have to stand on the corner of the street. If the Lord calls you that, praise the Lord. Uh, do it with a real gospel message and not just yelling a few things, right? But really preach the gospel. Um, but if we would all share the gospel to our neighbor, right? And, and let's say, let's slow the process down, right? Let's say you have the chur a church of 100 people. And let's say 80, let's, say, let's keep it low, 60 people would be able to share the gospel, right? 40 people are either too young or, or not able to reach for other reasons, right? So you have 60 people. Then at the end of the year, you have 160 people in the church, mm. You multiply that before you know it, uh, right? You've reached the whole si whole town, yeah. the whole city, um, and I think that's where we need, our folks needs to be on prayer to God for mercy, and then pray for the simple uh, old way of sharing the gospel. Pray that pray your preachers on fire, mm -hmm. right? Don't I? I've, so many times I, you know, as a preacher, I I get sermon evaluations on Sunday afternoon of the morning sermon. And I'm like, you know, I don't mind. I, I don't mind for you. I mean, it, it's probably a gift to me that you evaluate my sermon and say what was good and what's not good. But that's really not why we're preaching, mm -hmm. right? And if you think that I'm not on fire or I hear somebody else, well, you know, that person really should be more this and that, pray the person on fire. 
right? Don't say, don't look at a flame and say, well, that's not very high. Put some oil on it. <laughs> right? Put some more wood around yeah. it. Put some paper on it. Pray. Right? Pray to man on fire. If your preacher is boring, pray it would be boring. Right? If he doesn't go very deep, pray for depth. Uh, if he's not a praying man, pray him to be a praying man. Right? It's it's I think so often we're sitting here where we should be on our knees. Yeah. And I think that's the I think that's where the hope of America lies. Mm-hmm. Praying people, you, you don't have to be 35 and educated to do that. No. You can be 99 and uneducated and shake this country back to God. Love of neighbor. Love of neighbor. Care for neighbor. Yeah. And if we love our neighbor, if we care our neighbor, care for our neighbor, we care for their souls. Yeah. And we desire them to be saved. Yeah. So. Our God is mighty. He is. He is so yeah. he is so wonderful. And our uh, and let's remember that wherever this nation lies and whatever the next political cycle might show or wherever we're going in the next whatever comes on the next news broadcast, our God is greater. Mm-hmm. And ultimately he's in control. And ultimately he's he's in control in every way uh, as he rules all things. But the amazing thing is he calls us to prayer. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> for this through. time. <laughs> yeah. For uh, we can address this question. I, I my hope, my prayer is that it's beneficial to those that listen. Um, so thank you so much for joining us here on Pilgrim's World Podcast. And if you have any questions, leave them in the comments. Thank you for tuning in on today's episode of The Pilgrim's Well. For more, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and find us on YouTube at Pilgrim's Well. To find this church online, go to seventhref.org.